0: By the way, I shortchanged by Seltzer. I spoke with him off the air a minute ago. He'll join us in a minute. And I said he wrote 22 books. According to the back of the brand new one, he has 24, uh, including the one entitled A Tiny Taste of Heaven. And all of our Seltzer's books and all of the Artscroll 3000 titles are available now at Artscroll.com. Use promo code radio to enjoy a 20% discount, free shipping, and no minimum. That's pretty amazing. 20% off, free shipping, no minimum. If you use promo code radio for any title uh, over at com. it's got to be a book. It's got to be a book, any title at com, including the incredible collection of books by Rabbi Nachman Seltzer, who's going to join us in just a second. So go to com for details and enjoy. Uh, Thursday, Avrami sits in for me. Tomorrow, we'll have the live lunch from our studio here in New York. See, that, that was the trade. Avrami does the uh, Thanksgiving show from Israel. And we'll do the live lunch tomorrow, which normally we would do on a Thursday, uh, tomorrow live starting at 11 a.m. from here in New York City. So a little bit of a programming switch because of Thanksgiving week. Rabbi Nachman Seltzer is with us live via telephone. The brand new book is entitled A Tiny Taste of Heaven. Amazing stories about the power of Hafrushas challah. Rabbi Nachman Seltzer, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the
1: AM. Thank you, Nachum. It's always great to be on your show.
0: I appreciate that. It seems like yesterday that we were talking about our <laughs> man in Jerusalem and Rebbetzin Young Grace. Wasn't that practically yesterday, Rabbi Seltzer? <laughs>
1: I have a feeling it's like deja vu. I just feel like we just spoke. I mean, yes.
0: <laughs> not only that, when you release a book, it must feel like you just released one a few a few weeks earlier. The, w- the way you're I, going,
1: it's a funny thing. What can I tell you, it's a funny thing. If I made a kiddish every time, you know what I mean, it would be like <laughs> like you know one of those people that have fifteen kids. You know, they make a kiddish every six months. You
0: know? <laughs> it would it would be an expensive hobby if you if you would implement that custom, uh, because now you're at twenty five books uh, uh, 25 four books. Uh, it's interesting. If you would have spoken to me an hour ago, I would have done this interview differently. But I've had time to digest, excuse the pun, I've had time to digest the topic of your book now after you know a few days of having it and uh, and, and going through it. And literally in the last half hour, I'm not kidding around, literally in the last, because this whole thing, honestly, this whole thing of Hafrasha Schala causing or being the impetus for someone's Turn of luck, change of life, uh, significant event. It, it is a difficult equation for me. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, "Oh, he's a real misnogin. I get it. You know, <laughs> it's it's a difficult association. But but I think I may have come up with the system that you're really describing in the way you present this book. W- was that a concern, by the way? I mean, you know, we don't know why God does what He does. Was there a concern that, that, that you're taking one specific thing that people are taking on for themselves and attributing that to so many people's change of lives?
1: Yeah. So first of all, you tell me, do me a favor. You said that you came to a certain understanding. What did you come to? I want to hear your understanding.
0: Here's my understanding. I'm actually glad you asked, frankly. Maybe a good starting point. My understanding is that any mitzvah, any mitzvah that someone takes seriously and incorporates into their life, including Hafrushas Chala, which of course is, you know, the topic of the book, can be a tremendous entree into faith and belief in the one above. And once one has that, then they start to understand why certain daily and sometimes out of this world miracles happen to them and why their lives have in fact changed because they've been able to incorporate a new system of belief and emuna, uh because of this ritual that they've undertaken and an hour ago I don't know if I would have concluded this but it hit me a little while ago in this studio as I was processing all of the that's why by the way I'm glad Art Scroll gets me the book way in advance because it took me days to get to this point so now that I've said it what do you think of my point
1: I think your point's right I think we should do a book about Asher Yatsar also and Atiyah Sidayim and 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 and, and you know, tying shoelaces of your right shoe and then your left. We could do a book like that on every... According to the shot you're giving, we could really do a book like this on every single mitzvah. We just have to find a person who adopted that mitzvah and made it their mitzvah. Well, by the and way... As soon I mean, as we find that person, right, we could do that. Yeah, but I, don't know if, sure. I don't
0: know if you're being sarcastic or not, but the ones you... Just... No,
1: the truth is... It's true. The truth is, I'm sure there are it's, it's definitely people who, different people connect to different mitzvahs, and, and then those mitzvahs become a very big part of their lives. That's, that's definitely true. And they see amazing siat with those mitzvahs. That's definitely true. 100%. I'm going to give that to you. Um, when, I'll tell you, that's, I agree with, your, with the way you're looking at it. It's, it's for sure true. It's just Nava Moshe, it, it's, a different, it's a different approach with her because she, I don't even, she didn't even have so much of an idea of what to do when she started her process. And When, when I sat down with her, I really had no idea what she was going to tell me about like a and how that changed people's lives. I was like you. I came to this. I was like, you know, what are you talking about? A fresh scholar now changed everyone's lives. What does that even mean? You know, I was like you. And I, you know, I'm a Litfesha guy. I grew up in Eve. My name is Nachman. You know, I was in Uman many, many times in my life. But the fact is, I went to Litfesha lit Yeshivas. That's, uh, that's my, my education. So I'm sitting with her. I'm like, what, what's the deal? Nava Moshe. Rebbe said Nava Moshe. And so she explains to me that she, the whole story, did you read, did you got a chance to read how she started? I
0: certainly did.
1: So really, she, well, she had no plans to even start. That wasn't even like the plan. She didn't even want to be a, a, a teacher. She didn't want to be a, a, a person giving classes, but but it Hakadosh Baruch who chose her. Hakadosh Baruch Hu picked her out, kind of like you. if you think about it, Hashem picked you out to be Nachum Siegel. Think about it. You, you didn't, did you always think you were going to be Nachum Siegel? Did you know that you were going to be the most famous radio personality? I, I don't. Of think, our target, I don't
0: you, think. I, I don't think I could have predicted this. Let's put it that way.
1: No, you couldn't predict. You saw, I mean, years ago. You were writing a column for Concierzy magazine. <laughs> you right? remember that? Wow. You really have followed you're my like, career. Wow. <laughs> I uh, yes, yes, and, and think about it. Think about how amazing it is that you, you know, you're a, you're a camp guy. You're a camp director. You know, and 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 this camp director is, you know. F- You've waited like Art Raymond maybe started the genre, but you you've gone, you've taken it way past right have you would have you ever imagined that that a young kid from you know I don't know exactly where you grew up in Manhattan would you grow up, 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 up
0: Manhattan? No New Jersey
1: New Jersey, would you imagine a young kid from New Jersey would become the voice, the media voice of you know the, of the orthodox world? No, but Hashem had plans for you. Right. And you and you uh, look back at it now, and you're like, wow, thank you, Asha. That was great. You, you, have, yeah,
0: you have no idea, and you've actually given me a good reminder to always do that. You're 100% right. But I don't want to get off topic, but I have to just tie up what you said earlier. There are people that would sit with you and say to you that concentration on Asha Yatzer changed their health. I mean their physical health. And there are people, right. I'm sure you know the famous story, I'm sure you know the famous story. It's been told on my show, and frankly, when it was told on my show, I preferred it would not have been because I thought it was so outrageous for certain people to believe, but there is a story about the, the right shoe and left shoe, about somebody. I
1: know. It's a famous story. Right. I know. I wasn't just saying that. It's a famous story about an Israeli soldier. Right. I know. It's a famous story. So I'm saying that was with Nava ben Moshe. She really had no idea. She was going. a guy who plucked her out of relative obscurity to become a person who would influence thousands of people. And, but, so what happens? So she says to me, I don't know what to do. Like, imagine Hashem suddenly says to you, and you have no experience. Imagine, let's take you for, again, you, use you as an example. <laughs> let's say you never spoke on the radio, and you don't know how to do it. And then Hashem suddenly says, Nachum, <laughs> you're, you're lying in bed, and you hear the voice of Hashem. Nachum, I want you to get on the radio and broadcast to your people, and you have no idea how to do it. It's Can you imagine? How how that would be for you? It's crazy. How, what would you do? And by and the way, and,
0: and by the way, there's a historical precedent because there are people in history that God has said you must do X, Y, and Z, you know, drop everything and do this immediately and they were nervous about it. As we right? know.
1: Yeah. Right. And that's what happened to her. And so she she's looking what she she said, I need something that is going to get, what's a mitzvah that it's really gonna talk to a woman that could use it as a springboard to really Help them carve them, but it has to be a mitzvah that's really going to talk to them. It can't be too hard. Right. You know, and, and it has to be something that's geschmack. And she said, like, everyone loves challah, and it's something which is one of the women's main mitzvahs, so it's really a no brainer. And you don't, you don't have to start wearing a skirt. It's like, not too demanding, and it, and it changes the house, and it makes the house feel warm and happy to be in when the challah is baking in the oven. And she's like, it's, and she came to this brilliant idea. Like, it was way before the whole idea of. Halabaks and you know the Shabbos. Well, project,
0: all, the chalab- out- all the all the are outgrowths of this. I'm sure it came from this.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm not going to all her, but yes, definitely her students have gone on. She's done so many of them, and her students have gone on to do them around the world. And yes, a lot of it started with this idea. But it was Hashem who put this idea into her head to focus on this one mitzvah. And like she had no idea that it was going to do like be like like that's what you said. What is it Life changing. She had no idea that that right. was going to happen. Yeah, I that she b- was take a lady.
0: Yeah, I am not minimizing her accomplishment. I mean, it, it is absolutely amazing. I, I think. Uh, I think you know to validate what she chose, and again, this is what I got from the stories that you tell in a tiny taste of heaven to validate. You know, uh, the mitzvah that she chose. I, I never realized until reading your stories. How community-based, and I don't mean specific community, I'm saying the camaraderie, the socialization, everyone getting together to do something that has meaning. And if, in fact, they've incorporated, as many people have over the years, that, you know, the mitzvah of hafresh haschallah can be dedicated to someone who's ill or dedicated to the situation in Israel when, when there's trouble, etc. you know, that gives you a really, you know, positive, collective mission together. And just that alone can be life changing. Just the fact that you're with all these people, you know, with this common goal, common interest, and, 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 and common desire to to get closer to the one above, that could be a very inspiring experience.
1: I can't agree with you more. I, can't, I cannot agree with you more. I'll, I'll, I'll just to back you up here. Um, you know, I don't know if you know, I have a very good friend of mine, Rabbi Eli Stefanski. You know, started dafiyom mishir or Chemish and it yeah. started small, but it's just over like just three thousand people watching it. It's probably the biggest dafiyom mishir in the world, and it started. And what do people say over and over and over again? We just had this CM in Erevin, uh, was the MC, uh, two nights ago, and uh, 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 there's hundreds of people watching on Zoom, and everybody says the camaraderie of being part of something, of being part of something larger than themselves, right. being part of that family. And Nava did that; she created a family of women who are dedicated to the mitzvah of challah and it influenced them. And she said, this is what she said, it's something amazing. She said, you know, when you bake a challah and you take it out of the oven, you can't just cut it up, spread butter or on it or hummus on and eat it. It doesn't work like that, she said. When you take it out of the oven, you have to, you have to like, Put it on the table, but the table can't just be a table. It has to be set beautifully, and when it's set beautifully, it can't, what you say. Everyone has to sit around it, and then once everyone's sitting around, you say everyone has to be kid. You have to be kiddish, and then you serve that challah, and it just—it's not just a piece of bread. Right. It takes on a much greater. It's much greater than the sum of its parts, and that's all. She had no idea that she was getting into this when she started. And that's the beauty of it. Hashem really showed, picked it, you know, gave her this idea, and it just took on a life of its own.
0: Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. And it's so true when you think about it, the, the preparation for royalty, right? Shabbos Kala. Yep. You're, you're, Shabbos. Per, you're, prepare, yep. you're preparing for royalty and doing something that's relatively simple. Again, not to minimize the hard work that it is in the kitchen. I get that. But for the, the experienced women out there, the experienced kala bakers in general, men or women, you know, it's relatively simple. And, uh, and they're able to do this and to enhance everyone's Shabbos in this way. And boy... I don't know if she's responsible for it meaning uh, Nava Ben Moshe but I uh, I mean I the, the you know I I've been around for a while and I think in the last 20 years there's so many more homemade challahs out there in the Jewish world and the bakeries must be upset that I'm saying it but they all, they also still have their share they also still have their share but a lot of people now have you know trends ha, have transformed their pre shabbos experience to include uh baking challah simple as that yeah, well,
1: Can I tell you? You know, for years I never, I never made a thing out of it. My wife, after we were married like twelve years, she decided she wants to start baking. Oh, there you go. There's something about it. What can I tell you? It's just really nice when wife is in the kitchen Thursday night and the daughters are there and they're making chalas, and they're braiding it. You know, it's really nice. It's really nice to watch it. I'm in my office writing and I come out and I see everybody braiding the chalas. It's just really beautiful thing to see.
0: Yeah, and it's uh, and and that's I think part of it. I think as people get older and their kids are getting older, they love Watching their kids enjoy that challah, there is nothing like after that first bite Friday night when someone gives that mm or someone <laughs> someone signals this homemade challah is absolutely delicious. So it's also part of the whole you know ashes Heil theme. You are you know right mm-hmm. right at the beginning of the meal, the first thing you're doing is giving such an amazing compliment uh, to the to the uh, to the uh, leader of the household. The mom who's made the challah. A book is called the Tiny Taste of Heaven Amazing Stories about the Power of of a Freshest Challah. Okay, now that I've done this part and I've agreed with you on all this, now before you roll your eyes and say, Siegel, come on. So, now what do you think of a story like the one you tell about the gentleman in the warehouse who just avoids a terrible accident, right? One of the pieces of equipment explodes. Uh, the pieces fly in all different directions and literally miss him in those few seconds after the explosion. And now he's convinced that it's the prayer sessions that have emanated from his wife's involvement in the mitzvah of hafreshaschala that saved him in that warehouse. So now, so now, how do you judge if there's such a thing? How do you evaluate that type of statement? And you do – and you write it that way, right? Am I right that – uh, am I portraying it properly that you that –
1: You're portraying it properly. You're portraying it properly. Look, if, if, he, if he knows his wife is praying for his good, for his safety, right. for his well-being, if for his atzlachal, if he knows that, right, so, so why shouldn't he feel that his wife's prayers are protecting him? If that's how he's going to work, and that's what he knows his wife's focus is, then – yeah, it actually makes a lot of sense that his wife is, you know, if he's praying for his wife, and his wife is praying for him, and they're both davening for each other, and it's a perfect marriage, right, in that sense, that, that the couple is shekhinah, shekhinah shekhinah right, when, when, there's, when there's, you know, when the shchina is, when, when a couple are happy, and there's harmony in the house, and each one is praying for the other one, and then, you know what, if the shchina is Shriya b'neim, yeah, it makes a lot of sense that he, that his life would be saved by that. I, I, I to me, it, it really resonated. Actually, it's beautiful.
0: You know, in the story you tell toward the beginning of the book, which is essentially you know part of the bigger story of how this whole thing started, there was a woman who was, you know, who really wanted to make the bracha. You, you know, what I'm referring to. Any, reader yeah. any reader yeah. who p- picks First up the book, big story. right? Any reader who picks up the book will see what I mean. And and it reminded me, you know, one of my rabbis in high school said, everyone has to have a mitzvah that they that they that they feel is theirs you know, for he, and we said, what do you mean? Obviously, he was experienced in life already. We were just kids. And he said, well, there, there are people that, you know, there, 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 are, there are people who are bit on the and estrog they buy. You know, everyone buys an average and estrog or whatever, but some people, you know, really want to have the best one. That's their mitzvah. That was the example he gave. And I think that that woman in that story, who so desperately wanted to make a bracha on a fresh challah, I don't know what she does with the rest of her life. I have no idea. I don't know what kind of background she has. But I, I sort of felt like this was the... She was getting the message that my, you know, Rebby in high school was was transmitting. She felt close to this mitzvah. She felt like it's hers, and she felt that she can make a difference observing it. And and I think that that's why she was so sad when things were not going exactly the way she wanted it to. Right.
1: Especially because she originally didn't want to come. Right. Yes. She right. didn't want to come. Right. She had no idea. And then and Hashem like, kind of gave her the, the message, you should come. And she found the key, and she's going to finally do it. And then back like, the door got slapped in her face. And she's like, what, does Hashem not want me to come? It's, what, it's, like mixed me- it's like mixed messages, you know? It's like she doesn't understand what's going on. And it's also, like what you said, similar to what you said, the idea that every single person has their own masechah. Right. You're supposed right. to have you are a to right. take it with you to Shemayim. Right. It's the same idea. Just backing you up over here. I uh, like bringing a riot to what you're saying. Same idea.
0: So funny you mentioned that because <laughs> some of my boys, you know, they, they, could, they could speak about Talmud and, and speak about issues in the Talmud, but when it comes to a specific Masekhla, it's they're off the charts with that one. Like, they, you know, they practically know, know certain things by heart. That always, you know, and I say to myself, yeah, that, that's the one that they've, you know, really gravitated to over all the years.
1: That's their mesechtha. Which mesechtha well, do you have the most uh, connection with? The son
0: that I'm referring to, and it really could be more than one, really, the way they always talk about it is Megillah. I mean, they talk about they talk about Magilla me, like as if they learned it two hundred times. So you know, <laughs> uh, and you which
1: which Masechta do you like? Do you connect to the most?
0: I I think it probably is kedushin, and I'll tell you, but more of a prac- more of a practical reason. It was the mesecta I learned probably during the time of my life that I was most into Talmud study, and uh, for some reason, not not in the recent um, uh, cycles. But in the earlier in my life cycles of dafyomi, it seemed whenever we got to Kiddusha, that was the time that I started picking up dafyomi. I'm talking about like 30 years ago. So I, for some reason, for some reason, and look, I have a wonderful married life, so maybe that's part of the reason. I don't know. Uh-huh. But maybe, was, your what, maybe your
1: wife was what one. Maybe your wife was one who told you nachum. Come on, what's with the da?
0: Exactly. Come on, if you want a Kiddusha to keep going forward, you better pick up a Kiddusha. I mean, come on. Pick up the gemara. Just learn a
1: one daf a son.
0: Oh, now, don't start me on trying to get me into Dafyomi. All my colleagues have been trying that for years, but we'll see.
1: No, oh, I, was, I was actually quoting a song. Yeah,
0: I remember. That's Country Aussie, right?
1: Right? Oh, good. You know. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's a Country Aussie song. Sure. Hey, come on. I better have a little, a, a little uh, uh, acumen when it comes to that area. Now, I didn't get to every story. Can you, I, and, and I don't know if I'm being fair to you because, frankly, you may have written this a year ago. I don't know what your timetable was. Do you remember the one that cited in the, in the blurb about the single cigarette? That made a woman Shomer Shabbos?
1: So that's a, yeah, so she it's, it's I, I I would actually focus if if it's okay with sure. you. That story is is, is like uh, Mimi she liked that line, so she chose that story. But there's one story in particular that I, I wanted to Yeah, please it, it's not even so much about Afrash Kala. I mean there's a million stories about Afrash's Kala, but there's one story that I think is such an important life lesson, and that's and, and Nava told me the story. She said that she has this, this student who was who was you know Back in the day, a long time ago, but they you, know, you have a like a lot of kids, little kids at home, and you don't have content to, to see your husband that much, and you're going out with your husband, you finally make that, that date right. to go out with your husband in the afternoon. You know, if you remember back in the day before yeah. your kids were young now, sure. you know, and you're finally going out. And she says, you know, and this and this lady's going out with her husband and and they, they make a time to go out for lunch and they have like like an hour and a half, let's say, to right. go. An hour and 45 minutes. Right. And uh, so they go out in, in L.A., and they're, and they're on the way to the restaurant, so, so they thought maybe we'll pick up some water, because in just in case, we want to take a little walk with each other after the meal, so we'll have some water to to. So, so the husband drops the wife off outside the restaurant, right. outside the supermarket, and, he, and there's no room to park, so he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk around, I'm going to drive around the block, and I'll come get you, I'll be back soon. So she's, she goes into the supermarket, and she, she buys, you know, a few bottles of water, and she comes out, and she's waiting for him outside. And he is not coming. He's just not coming. And she's waiting outside, and she's like, you know, okay, five minutes go by. You know, how long does it take to go around the corner? Right. And she's like, five minutes go by, ten minutes go by, and she's like, she's starting to get a little hot under the collar. She's like, doesn't he know? that this is our, we only have limited time, right. and this is our date, right. where is he? Right. And she's thinking, like, oh, he probably met someone, and he stopped, and he's Schmoozing. talking with the guy, <laughs> and she, her brain is starting to go into all, and she's, like, <laughs> getting all mad. All right. and, and, she, and she's like, 15 minutes go by, 15 minutes, and we have an hour and 45 minutes. It's like the whole, it's like the cutting into our thing, I'm not, and she's getting really mad. And then she says to herself, this lady says, she looks up at Shemayim, And she says, Hashem, is this a test? She says, if this is a test, I'm going to get 100. Yeah. And then she says, I am not going to say a word when he comes. And he drives up, let's say, four minutes later. Now, normally, the wife will get in the car, and (laughs) she'll be like, how... Could you have done that? Take 20 minutes. What is wrong with you? Don't you know? Or uh, the alternative uh, to that is freezing the guy out. Right. She shuts down. She's not talking. Are you okay? I'm fine. Fine. I said I'm fine. But but what's wrong? If you don't know, I can't help you. (laughs) So She says, I'm not going to do scenario A, and I'm not going to do scenario B. I am going to be the same happy person I was when I got out of the car to get the water. Right. If this is a test, I'm going to get 100. Right. She gets in the car. She does not address what happened. She ignores it. She says, I'll come back to it in a day from now. Tomorrow, the next day, I'll come right. back to it. I'll ask him what happened. She completely ignores it. And she says, This story, where she, because where, she says, at the end of the day, who's the loser if you don't ignore it? Like, who's, gonna, who's the winner and who's the loser? The, the test, you know, it's a test. Grab it and get 100. She says, This story, right? So many of her students have, have, have told her they've used it in challenging moments and they, where they've been like, who knows? A crazy stories. This lady was cashing her house and she was taking the dishes down to cashew and she fell off the ladder. And she was like, you know, and, and she's like lying on the floor and she says to Hashem, Hashem, is this a test? Like, I'm finally cashing my house and, and I fall off the ladder. I'm going to get 100. It's something which I said to, i told tell this story, you know, you can take this concept, it's such an easy concept, but it, it's like at the moment of challenge, you, you look up the Shemaim and you say, is this a test? If it's a test, I'm going to get a 100. And then it changes your whole perspective, and it's like it takes you out of that cycle you're in and to a different place, and you can totally change the whole thing and, and like, save the day. Well, I thought that was such a great message. I could tell. It just blew me away.
0: I can tell you that you, uh, I am sure, I'm going to now hear from somebody later today who incorporated this into their day day Because this happens, of, you know, this happens to somebody every day. What you just described, and they're going to tell me that your words and the way you told that story certainly helped uh, alleviate the pressure and tension of the situation. So, I call like a voter myself. So, you chose a good one to tell us, to say the least.
1: I went through the book again, you should know, in preparation for the interview, wow. and I was like thinking, what do I want to talk about? And I said, this story, I feel it's, I mean, there's so many good stories, really. It's such a beautiful book for anyone who's into chala, It's really, and it's, it's really like a beautiful, how often are there books written for women? You know, it's not that often, you know? There's a book that's written, this is for women, it's a beautiful book written for women. Anyone who likes chala, any woman, you know, you go out there, buy your wife a gift, buy your daughter, you know, buy your mother. It's something like it's really for a woman. It's very special. And I said, and this is this concept of Hashem is this a is this a test? Is something that comes up to every person, man, woman, child, all the time, all the time. Oh, and by the way, different ways.
0: What was the relationship between that story and Chala? By the way, did that lesson come from a Chala encounter? It was a,
1: It, it didn't. It it, it it was. She said it wasn't necessarily a Chala lesson. Right. It was a lesson that that was right. a, a life lesson. And she also, you know, she incorporates that in her classes. Their classes aren't just, you know. And then, you know, it's funny, because when you start in the beginning, you have a certain cause you have a certain line, and then everything's kha everything's this. But as you get older, <laughs> you, you become much more relaxed, and you, and you can branch out. And she's like, she gets up to talk today, and she sings, and she's, she's, she, she really has it today, you know. She's a, she's a singer, Nacho. She's great. I never heard her sing, but she's like, my husband always tells me, Nava, sing more and speak less.
0: That's, yeah, I guess it, someone someone once said to me, because uh, someone complained that my radio show, you know, in year 20 didn't sound like it was, you know, I had not incorporated certain things I had in year 10, and a radio expert said, yeah, radio shows evolve. You don't do, you know, yeah. in year 20, we did in year 10, and, and so too with her, as you're saying, you know, she's learned what to incorporate, what to emphasize, and to branch out, as you said, and boy, is it important to branch out. Uh, Rabbi Nachman Seltzer, the book is called A Tiny Taste of Heaven. Amazing stories about the power of hafrosha schala. We're recommending it highly. And, of course, our friends at Artscroll are making it really easy on everybody. If you listen to this show, you've got a big break. You've got promo code RADIO. It's available to you, as are the other 3,000 titles from Artscroll, at 20% off with no minimum and free shipping. Go to artscroll.com, artscroll.com. Order what you want, but certainly put into your basket Rabbi Nachman Seltzer's book called A Tiny Taste of Heaven. Always a delight to speak to you, Rabbi Seltzer. Continued Hatzlacha. I'll take this opportunity. I'll take this opportunity to wish you a happy Hanukkah to you and all of our brothers and sisters in Israel. And Thank uh,
1: you. I just wanted to tell you one thing before we get off. Sure. Uh, we were supposed to talk on Zoom today. That's right. Originally I was told we're right. zooming. Right. But I wasn't able to do that and the reason is because I'm actually now standing in the house of Rabbi Yitzhak David Grossman amygdala Emek going over the, the the book that I wrote about him. And that is why I was unable to actually Zoom from my office today, because I'm in McVillain right now. So stay tuned for our upcoming interview.
0: The reason I'm sitting here stunned with my mouth open, because I cannot wait to read that book. When is it available to the public?
1: I just finished writing it. We're we're talking about a good 470 pages that before pictures. It's going to be a big book, and it's going to be uh, something... This is something, again, every book with its thing, I just wanted to let you know, you know, it's like a promo for the future, you
0: know? Yeah, but believe me, when you're on, we're always talking about multiple books, as I told you. <laughs> you know, last time you were on, we also spoke about two or more. <laughs> so there's no reason yeah, no reason not to mention it. it. But I cannot wait to delve into Roy Grossman's life. My gosh. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, some of the things I might have said if you would have asked me about him, I have a feeling someone else already said it. So I think everything about him is probably in that book already because just so many amazing things about him. But we're not going to do this now. We will see. Save it.
1: We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it when the book's out. That's right, no That's You're gonna have thing. to wait a little more.
0: Are you with him? Are you at? His, are you in Migdal Amic now?
1: I'm actually, I'm actually in his dining room right now. The reason, yeah.
0: the reason I'm asking is because, I mean, I'm sure you've had this experience if you wrote a book about him. Just walking around the neighborhood with him, you see how beloved he is. All you have to do is take a right. take a stroll yes. with him. And you see how beloved he is. It was one of the things I was so happy when I was with my boys when they were younger to visit him up there. One of the things I loved was just showing them the respect and love that people have for him when they simply casually meet him in the street. It's amazing.
1: Nachum, do, do you want to say hello to him?
0: That would be that would be incredible.
1: Okay, Yitzchak David. Okay, I'm putting on Rav Yitzchak David. Thank you very okay. much,
0: Rabbi Seltzer. Much appreciated. Rabbi Grossman, it is always a pleasure to speak to you. I can only imagine... Now, during COVID-19, how much more difficult it is for you to help all the families in need, both in Migdala Amik and around Israel. I'm sure it's a very, very big challenge. I'm going to ask our listeners to help you as much as possible. People should help Rabbi. Rabbi Grossman as much as possible. And and Todaraba, Thank you so much for joining us. And Chanukah and Sameach. For- Sameach. And I look forward to yes, seeing Shukur. you, to seeing you, please, God, in Israel.
1: Toda Rabah. Toda Rabah.
0: Rabbi Grossman, everybody, unbelievable. Wow, thank you, Rabbi Seltzer. Not giving up an opportunity to get a kind word from Rabbi Grossman for uh, for me and for all of our wonderful listeners. Unbelievable. Rabbi Nachman Seltzer, A Tiny Taste of Heaven. That's the book. Order it, enjoy it. More coming up. You're listening to a, what is today? Tuesday. A Tuesday morning edition of JM. And we keep talking about Hanukkah. Let's do this one. A Tuesday morning edition of JM and the AM.